Yeah, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Eight Figures. This is AJ, the journeyman entrepreneur, with another Beyond Eight Figure episode for you. On the show, we talk with top entrepreneurs about the realities of building an eight-figure business, what success really means to them, and hear from them about some of their winning strategies and tactics. Tune in to each episode to learn how to grow your business beyond 10 million, and more importantly, create your own personal legacy. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. Today we're gonna tell some stories. I think today will be a lot of fun to dive into the type of stories we tell as entrepreneurs and how we can get better at that. Today's guest, Karen Eber, has a new book coming out, The Perfect Story, but Karen has a wonderful background in leadership and in helping people tell, well, I'll let Karen tell a little bit of this so I won't massacre us, but Karen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Let's tell some stories. That would be a lot of fun. I mean, first, before we get in, I like that you were at Deloitte, GE, and then you went off to create your own leadership group called the Eber Leadership Group. And it was very interesting, the type of work, having gone through your site, that you're doing with different leadership groups and helping them develop sort of corporate culture, training, and different things. How did that happen? And where'd you get into that before we get too much into stories? Yeah, I, I like to say I've sat on both sides of the desk, both working in Fortune 500 companies and operating my own. I studied psychology and looked at it and thought, how do I apply this towards business and bringing out the best of people and work, helping create workplaces and leaders and teams that are healthy and don't leave you feeling depleted and allow for you to do work that you enjoy. And so I studied psychology and studied how you apply that towards adult and adult learning and then moved into roles in Hewlett-Packard and then in Deloitte and GE where I was doing exactly that and eventually stepped into these roles where I was a head of culture in a business of 90,000 employees in 150 countries and found the way you shape culture is through stories. Like being able to share a story helped people in across this business start to recognize moments and think about what might they might do when they encounter them. And so it was always core in what I did. And as I decided to open my own company, I just wanted to focus on how to build leaders, teams, and culture one story at a time. Okay, cool. So you've been doing this for four years. Where did the book come from? I gave a talk at Purdue University that was a TEDx. I had been guest lecturing there and they invited me to give a TEDx talk. Uh, Ted saw that and put that on TED.com and it took off. And I had literary agents come knock on my door and say, let's turn this into a book, which I was like, thanks for calling. I have some ideas. And we put together a proposal, shopped it and, and ended up with a book deal with HarperCollins. I wanted to write something different. And I felt like while there's so much out there on storytelling, there is a space that is untapped, which is helping people understand the science of storytelling in a relatable way. But more importantly, how do you take what's happening in the brain and factor that into your stories? Like, what do you put in your stories to make sure that someone's going to be captivated? And so the book does that. It's really trying to evolve the conversation on storytelling by sharing new science in a completely relatable way. You won't need a lab coat or beakers, but it helps you start to think differently so that as you're building your stories, you can be 
making choices about how you're engaging the person. And it takes you step by step through finding ideas and tailoring them to your audience all the way through telling a story with your body and voice and making sure that you're not manipulating and navigating vulnerability. Well, let's maybe take a step back because I think with any stories, a lot of times with entrepreneurs, if you catch us on the fly, we can talk forever. And this is every entrepreneur is very different. I'm being way, way over and overly general here. But I, all right, I'll use myself. I know I can talk a gazillion ways to tomorrow. But when I try and do a specific type of, oh, I need this type of content or this type of story. And I think we were talking before that we started recording that like, one of the things I realized there's so much out there about you need to have a why, you need to have your mission statement and all this. And yet what I'm learning, and I would love to dive even deeper into it, is a lot of times it's not that important to have it all worked out. It's just more that you're directionally working and following up on it. So we'd love to learn like, where do we start to craft a story? Do you break it out to the types of stories people are telling? Like, where do we start? Yeah, let me start by challenging, I think, some of the myths that we think entrepreneurs have to have for stories. I think the first is that where you started of what is your why? You must have your who you are, what you stand Mm -hmm. for, what your company is, or your origin story. And I don't feel like that's as critical as we think it is for a couple of reasons. One, there's not one story that is going to sum up everything that you do. If it did, it would be too diluted and it wouldn't address really the pain points and solutions that you're providing for your customers and clients. Two, there's often this pressure where people have this like romanticized notion about entrepreneurs of like, when was the moment where you decided to open your company and to go off and do this? And, And like, what happened that like was so profound? And you know, I opened my company because I chose none of the above. I didn't want to continue in a corporate path. There wasn't this defined, divine moment with the spotlight and singing and, you know, wind chimes. It was like, mm, none of the above. Let's go. And so there's this almost pressure that you have to have this amazing story about some tragedy in your life or some obstacle you've overcome to have this profound story of who you are as an entrepreneur and why it's so meaningful. And it's just not true. So the origin story, the reason I say it's not important is that from wherever you started, your business changes, no matter what your strategy is, no matter what you're doing. I find every quarter I am like tightening the aperture of the lens on my business because you get smarter, you are moving further down the path towards your ideal clients and work, and you shed some of the things that are no longer serving you. If you keep telling the origin story, like if I keep telling you the origin story from four years ago, that wouldn't be as focused on the work that I'm doing now and it's not as meaningful. I mean, a really simplistic example is if Amazon was telling their origin story, they would be talking to you about shipping books all around the world. And they still have the greatest hold on books and they that is a big part of their business, but there's so much more than that. So don't hold on to this idea that there's one story or there's a perfect origin story or there's this why that's going to sum up everything you do because what's more important are the really specific moments. And this is where you start. When you think of your customers and clients, 
what are their pain points? What are those things that they know they should be resolving, but they aren't? You know, one of my friends calls this the punch them in the bruise. Like if you think about when you knock a bruise and you're like, oh, yes, that bruise is there. You want to do that because we all have these. So you want to talk about those or you want to talk about um, things that would make their life easier. Or maybe there's aspirations of, you know, we're not buying a car, we're buying a lifestyle. And so you start to think about like, what are those different moments that you're interacting with your customers or clients? What are those things that you're addressing? And you have specific stories in there because that's where someone is going to see themselves in their message in that message in that story and be drawn to you and the work that you do and be willing to expand with it. If you focus on this overarching origin story, the odds of it hitting those specific people and moments, it's too, too much chance. So it's sort of playing on that whole value. You know, a lot of times you see it too, and it becomes so easy because you're living it. But too often people are selling the value prop around yeah. it. Yeah. You know, or the, right. Yeah, not the, the pain point, the, the yeah. specific problem, right? We're too busy. Like, let me tell you about my, my 12 step program for whatever. That's great. But you haven't made me see myself in that. And that's what storytelling is so key for as an entrepreneur. You have these opportunities to just connect to all of these thoughts, fears, hopes, aspirations. And that's where you are grabbing people and you know you're doing it well when people say, I feel like you wrote that just for me because you've dialed in on if I was going to create a persona for my audience, what does that look like? You know, what are the demographics? What are the things they like to do? What is their, their profession, their education? Are they, you know, where are they at in their life in terms of their family or surroundings or relationships or you start to to zero in on those and you write these or you tell these as though you're sitting across the table for someone. And that is what's always going to resonate. And that could be whether you're doing a sales pitch or you're putting a post on social media. Well, you said something interesting in getting to that. So like, okay, great. I'm looking at my avatar. Oh, you know, I talked to seven figure entrepreneurs on their journey to kind of go beyond looking at but what I right. liked what you said early, because this is, you know, it's not a one and done. It's an ongoing way of refining it. You know, hopefully not going too far down the sequel levels and jumping a shark, but playing with you, you dial in, you said, you know, you consistently come back on a regular basis. How do you do that? And how do you suggest people come to continuously dial in? I love that phrase. Yeah. So how I do it, I sit down and I build personas. So part of my business is working with Fortune 500. And sometimes that person that is the buyer is the head of HR. Sometimes that person is the head of learning and development. And sometimes it's a business unit leader. And there's some slight nuances to each of them. And so I think about if I'm talking to them, what are each of those like, where are they at? Where are they at in their career? You know, what are the types of problems you're dealing with? And so I build these, these personas at a high level for those three. I also have this whole other piece that is really the wide population for a book. And so what I do is I start to look at, like, who am I trying to talk to? And what is it that I want to help them experience? What do I want them to to think or feel? What is it that I want them to know or do? And so you start working through those pieces and you you really do paint a picture almost of who is sitting across from you. I mean, this is, you know, marketing 101. I would even give it a name. And I think about 
when I look at those personas and I look at my ideal clients and who I want to attract and the type of work I want to do more of, what is that? Because if I find that they get a latte at, you know, 10 a.m. on a Tuesday, then I might work that in. And, you know, that's a bit of an exaggeration. But when you start thinking about those different groups, the major audiences that you have, and you start looking at what is a day in the life? What are the things that they're struggling with? What is one thing they want to change? You can start to understand a whole bunch of ideas and go on social media, start a search for whatever your, so I said, you know, one of my buyers is a CHRO. So I could yeah. go on to Google and say, what do CHROs think about? And you get all of these different prompts and ideas. You go on Pinterest and you do different searches and you see what pops up. You go yep. on Amazon and you look at books, you know, YouTube. So you can use social media to help shed different thinking and insights. Of course, search engine optimization is amazing. Chat GPT is great for give me 47 different ideas of pain points that a CHRO is facing today. And it's all just meant to prompt thinking and help you start to see this is me. This isn't me. This is helpful. This isn't helpful. So it sounds like you, you follow that sort of like go broad at first and then, you know, start finding things that resonate with how you see that audience. Like you gather everything you can, the different conversations. I like that because back in the day, we used to even pull in search behavior. Well, back when you could actually get search behavior, you could actually get like education, sex level, sex, income level, different things. Sure. <laughs> like move past There's that endless line. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, no, there's endless things that yeah. you could be gathering. And then when you kind of have that broad understanding, you're talking about using it just to get that feel for the person, just like you would, hey, my friend Kevin, who lives across the street, uh, yeah, really great guy. Let, let me learn more about him. So that next time I see him at the barbecue around the way, I know what to say. I know more to talk to him. That's how you initially approach it. It's two part though. It's part to get a feel for them, but it's also part for you to gain a lot of clarity on who you are for that. So let's use the chat GPT example. Let's say that I put in, give me 47 examples of what a CHRO is facing today. And so it's going to talk about talent acquisition and performance management and crisis management and whatever. And I'm going to look at that and say, you know, I don't really do a lot with talent acquisition. That's, that's not me. But these three things, these are me. And so now I can really think about how is that pain point showing up for them and how am I helping address it? And so it's part getting to know the person, but it's also part getting really clear on how you are positioning yourself in the noise of what they are facing. No, oh, I like that a lot. Yeah, because there are some great prompt structures and even you know, people who are pulling and putting together you know, what basically looks like just pretty advanced prompt structures on top of an API for avatar development. There are some interesting ones out there. You can give it types of businesses blah, 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 and it will give you pretty interesting stories. I don't want to just keep pulling it back, but I think you're, this is such a cool thing that you said. I want to, so now that you have this and you're finding out, okay, where they are, where you are to resonate with them, how do you continue dialing it in? Because I think a lot of us jump into that, like, oh, let's create it and we'll keep it in our head but it's so much work to make it live over time. Yeah, we may be stuck. Yeah, yeah. Or as I tell the old joke, I once dated this woman and I still feel horrible about it. I met 
first week of freshman year she was blonde whatever and then like a year later we were at some party and i was telling a story about her and she's like what i hear it behind me like what you know what color is my hair i said blonde she's like no and i turn around and i'm like she's brunette and i'm like wait what and she's like i dyed my hair three days after i met you and it was just like it stuck you know it was just like she's blonde okay done i don't have to do this ever again <laughs> you know check i think yeah. we approach it's for us when we have these tools like an avatar, customer avatar and stuff, it's like, oh, this is what they are. How do you then, as you said, dial it in and help it grow more over time? Yeah. First, I'm not sure it is ever this is who they are. Because if you look over the past three years, we've all just experienced so many different changes. And so whatever cadence you stop and reflect on your business, part of it should be, are there shifts to who my my customers are, my clients are? other shifts to how their problems are presenting because you know and we'll take that chro example there were some new problems that showed up that you know right now they're coming out of the working in different ways and and many are grappling with where will people work how will they work and so it's important to recognize that just like you continue to evolve um some of the main things may be there and some new ones may pop in my first suggestion is don't keep it in your head the problem with when you don't have a system is that you spend all this energy trying to remember it instead of energy thinking about what could happen or what could be next. And so developing systems for, and this is true for stories too, for ideas, all of it, have a place. And if that's posted, it's great. If it's a notebook, fantastic. If it's a spreadsheet or an app, like whatever works for you, have a place because you don't want to waste the energy on trying to remember these things. You want to be able to have this energy to come up with different ideas. I think that to take the example of how do you dial in and keep going, yeah. the first part is getting clear on that avatar or that persona. The next part is at some regular cadence, maybe it's once a year, maybe it's twice a year, you want to come up with what are the problems they're facing? What are those things that, you know, do it through search engine optimization, because that's what's going to catch attention, but start to come up with that list of what are the different ways that that's showing up? What are the questions that they have? What are the fears that they have? How do you get a massive list? Because that then gives you criteria that gives you a, a rich sandbox that you can look at to then think, wow, I've got these 17 things. And they're really specific and each one of them could lead to so many different stories demonstrating how I've worked with clients on this or how I keep seeing this or things you should be thinking about in these situations. Like it just serves as ingredients that you can turn into a wonderful story. So drilling down into specificity of what does that look like and then using them to feed, okay, what, what could be a story here? How am I trying to achieve some different outcome with them? my audience. I really like that because in marketing sales, I talk a lot of times about it's great to say what you want to achieve or what you want to do. But if you're not finding that type of cadence to review and look at what has happened and not just look at it, but like, what can we learn from that? In a sense, you're saying the same thing, like an agile storytelling approach. 
Yeah. And you asked me how I do it. So let me share yeah. that because I actually do sit down for a year and I look at where is my priority. So this past year, I knew I was launching this book on storytelling and I knew I was going to really focus a lot of my message on storytelling and maybe a little less on some of the leadership things that I do. So knowing that, I started to look at who are my personas and, and what are the different questions that they have. And I mapped out a year of what is a year of content for social media, for my newsletters, for articles that you have your main pillar thought leadership pieces, and then you have different things you spin off it. So I, I use that as a starting point of what do I think I want to do? And then as I go through the year and have conversations, for me, it's always in a workshop or a client interaction, you hear a question, you realize, okay, if you have this, other people have this, and I need to be talking about it this way, because I hadn't realized that. And so then I go in and I refine of, yeah, I don't really want to do that thing that I said seven months ago, I want to do this. And that agility is there as it should be, because there's an organic piece of it that I want to be able to address. And, um, and then that also helps with different articles and stuff. And so for me, that works. So have a big picture, have a plan, but know that you want to come into it because there's sometimes that what I said I was going to do in January, I'm not feeling now. I've moved past that. So let's think about something different. Yeah. I mean, I find a lot of times I will say something in response to something. I'm like, oh, that's so great. And then when you build it out, you're like, it's kind of a nice support piece, but it's not a standalone, but you've built a Right. up and you're like Ugh. but i think that's how a lot of companies end up in that lovely just like cardboard content have. yeah the cardboard content mm -hmm. you know and it's so frustrating because it's like oh, who cares you know and i always hated you know clients who you would sit there and be like oh you've had you know how much did you spend on this content and you have 10 people who looked at this right all right so you, you know, you suggest building systems, creating on sort of the cadence around it. It's funny because I've been kind of diving more into EOS and comparing it to scaling up and all that. And it's like, do you have a rock? Do you, and I like, cause these are things that could fit very easily along with a lot of sort of those operating systems that people, yeah, that really do help when you get to a certain size in your business. Because so I feel like success yeah. as an entrepreneur requires your systems because you need to, it's all about freeing up your time and spending your time where it's best served and then finding different ways to handle the other pieces. And so you don't want to waste energy thinking about things that could be automated or handed off or stuck in a system and, and replicated easier. Well, maybe to kind of bring this in, because I'm getting you into very tactical, even as I ramble on and ask you different questions about how you're doing this, what's ways you've seen that work on a story has sort of been transformative that helped businesses? I know you work a lot of times with very large businesses, but still working through those transition points that almost every business from you know, your first couple of dollars all the way to billions of dollars, it's usually not the consistent ongoing work of the business that's the problem it's those transition points where it's like complexity increases or you know your revenue doesn't or your free cash flow doesn't match your expense ratio and all those fun things maybe walk through sort of some of the stories you've seen or how people have worked on stories to actually help get through those transition points yeah the beauty of this approach is that 
it can be used in any setting because what you're trying to do when you're telling a story is first stories actually start with your audience. Like who are you telling this to and what is it that you're trying to help them realize? Is it something you want them to feel or think different? Is it some action you want them to take or information that you want to build for them? You've got to get really clear on why do you want to tell a story in the first place? Otherwise you're just telling a story you love to tell and it may not land. So that could be a moment of transformation, or it could be a sales call, or it could be any special, it doesn't matter. But getting clear on that with the audience of what do I want them to know, think, feel, do, where are they at today? Where's their mindset today? And what might be an obstacle in getting to that outcome? That grounds you because now you've got a good idea of this audience and where you're trying to create a shift and what might be a block. Because then you take your story and you are going to build it through that lens. You know, you're gathering part of the system is gathering different ideas without worrying about where they're going to be used. Because the best time to come up with an idea for a story is when you don't need one, when you have creative thinking. So when it is time to tell a story, you scan this list and you ask yourself like, okay, I, I need to tell a story about transformation. Which one of these would help me build an idea around transformation? And maybe it's a story about transformation and maybe it's a story that it's not even obvious that it is. It's a, about something completely different. Then you can take that story and start to work it through a basic story structure. And that structure is what is the context? So what's the setting for the story? Why should the audience even care? What is the yeah. conflict, the fuel for the story? What happens where something changes, something needs to be resolved? could be between two people. It could be between yeah. yeah organizations. It could be between a person and themselves and their own values. So context, conflict, outcome, what action is taken and what's the impact of that and takeaway, which is what is the overall idea of this story? What is it that you want the audience to come away with? And it's that takeaway that lets you connect it back to what you define for your audience of what you said you wanted them to know, think, feel, or do. Because if there's no connection, then the story is not going to land. So you start doing this and you can shape a story for whatever context. The context really doesn't matter because you're defining that through the steps, but you are working to build a story to make sure it's helping you achieve the outcome that you want. Well, in the book, do you, because this is one thing I do know as someone, I will ramble on stories that begin, they begin in my head as having a connection point with what I'm telling. And then all of a sudden kind of go out there and I'm like, I think the tide is actually drawn and I'm sitting there and I'm trying to find a way to come back. And it's like that lovely- You're the like, fish floundering, looking yeah. for the water. Yeah, oh, yeah, the yeah, cocktail yeah. joke where sure, everyone just sure. goes, uh-huh. Oh, wait, did I yeah, just do yeah. that bubble? <laughs> okay, I didn't. <laughs> but think of stories as a spectrum, right? So there's a story that we're going to tell in a setting like this, that's informal, maybe not rehearsed, maybe just pops into my head and I'm just going to have a go at it. It's not going to be the most structured thing, but you can think in your mind as you're telling it, all right, let me set the context. Let me tell you the conflict. Let me tell you the outcome and takeaway. You don't have to tell the story in this order every time, but if you're doing it on the fly, it can be helpful to not only organize your thoughts, but make it easier for the audience just, to follow. Yeah. But the higher the stakes the more practice you want to put into it because storytelling really includes editing where you're stepping back and thinking, is this moving my story forward? Is this helping me 
advance the plot or learn something about the the characters in it. And to do that well, you need a moment to separate from creating the story and when you edit. And the higher the stakes the story, the more you want to edit and test it and refine it and think about how you're telling it. So the bigger client presentation or really important employee presentation where you are talking about transformation or something, you don't want to do that on the fly because there are moments where your brain will cheat you and you will be the fish out of water flopping on the sand looking for it. And you don't want that to happen in the higher stakes ones. You know, so I always say on the continuum, you know, tell them on the fly, get used to just trying and seeing how you can use the context, conflict, outcome, takeaway, but start to practice and have some iteration in there, especially as you lead up to bigger moments. No, I, I like that. And I do think combining that structure then with the feedback loop you've talked about, you know, the capturing, the kind of doing. Because I do think it's very easy sometimes for entrepreneurs to tell a story and tell it because we're responding and wanting to please someone. We could, you know, a lot of times you get good at reading signals, but to take it to that next level, not just, yes, obviously the bigger stories, the one you need to practice them and reiterate and reiterate and reiterate, or as the river runs through it, dad used to say is less less you know always say i i always use that in my head whenever i'm editing something that scene from do you remember that movie the river runs through it okay good. yeah yeah it's a great movie absolutely i just always in my head have that yeah have him just sitting there with the red pen the red pen i can't even remember right now i have to go see it again it's been years but i like that you know just even in practicing those off the cuff that structure of doing that could help so much on the entrepreneurs. In looking at as an entrepreneur buying your book, creating the systems, creating you know the cadence to actually look and review and bring them in, are there other things that an entrepreneur should be paying attention to about how to continuously develop better stories? Yeah, I wrote this to be really a masterclass in storytelling from understanding the science of it, what's happening to what are the steps from from creating a toolkit of ideas to figuring out that audience to building out the structure to really engaging the brain, storytelling with data, how to use your body, how to use pacing, pause, inflection, how to think through all of those things. So if you are new to storytelling, this gives you a really helpful foundation of where to start, why you're doing what you do, what to start to put in place and figure out your style. If you already are a storytelling, this is going to validate much of what you're doing because you maybe haven't learned. And so you're doing stuff and you don't know if it is right or if it's helpful, um, but it's going to give you some things to lean into and really refine your style and think about where do you want to take it and how do you get better at some of these things in the moment. And so it is intentionally meant to be that guide that is helping you through different steps through building stories, uh, even down to there's checklists in the back so that when you're telling a story, you can pull it out and work through like, have I done this? Have I done this? Have I done this as a, a safe check to think about? Very cool. No, I mean, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on a copy. The book will be coming out soon from when we're talking, but when the episode comes out, it would have had just come out. So we'll make sure. Karen, this has been fascinating and I cannot wait to dive deeper into this. I am, where can people find out more about you and about Karen Eber Leadership Group? <laughs> and then the book. Yeah, also. sure. 
the best way to find me is my website, which is my name, K-A-R-E-N-E-B-E-R.com. There is information on the book in there. And there's one thing we didn't touch on that I just think is super cool that I want to share. The end of chapters are these interview vignettes with people that tell stories in completely different roles. So you've got The Moth, if you're familiar with The Moth podcast and storytelling series, we've got an executive producer, co-founder of Sundance Institute, TED Radio Hour podcast host, a former creative director at Pixar, someone who writes stories for video games, improv comedian, neuroscientist. So you have people that do this in completely different aspects of life. And you learn what you would if you were seated next to them at a dinner party. And so these are, you know, they're vignettes. They're not, they're not chapters, but you get this walk and appreciation for how each of these people learn to do this. And while you think like, well, gosh, you're doing this for Pixar, you must be gifted in this. Like, sure, but that's a talent that was developed. And so I think it's a, a fascinating way, especially as entrepreneurs, to recognize there's so many different ways to do this and so many different things to play with. So I just wanted to share that because I, I read them and cool. everyone, I'm like, that's my favorite one. I love that. That's my favorite <laughs> one. So yeah. But the book, information about all these interview vignettes, all of that are there. The book is available everywhere. The books are sold. We will have links, of course, to Karen's site, to this, and of course, to the book. And we'll probably throw up Amazon, but yeah, we'll put it up there because yeah, it remains out there and it will be publicly available by the time this episode gets out. And I'm looking really forward to it. Karen, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Well, everyone, I think there's a lot to you know, improving the way we tell stories as I know I'm a little bit of editing in my life, but also just creating the systems around that. It's such a simple, logical thing, but just staying in here and Karen say it, it's like, okay, I think I'm going to put a little bit of time with my team to have systems around our storytelling, not just around the basic content we're telling or the type of content, but actually how we evolve the stories. That's one takeaway I'm going to keep right off the bat. So Everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I can't wait until we have the other really cool entrepreneurs and experts like Karen on the show again. So um, talk with you soon. Goodbye, everyone. This episode of Beyond Eight Figures is over, but your journey as an entrepreneur continues. So if we can help you with anything, please just let us know. And if you like this episode, please share it with someone who might learn from it. Until next time, keep growing and find the joy in your journey. This is AJ, and I'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye.